All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of our Workflow Wednesday. This this week, something very special, I think. Um, I'm really excited. I think John's going to be really excited, too. Um, in case you any, you haven't noticed, um, we have rebranded everything. The website, our social media, everything is all brand new. And that is because it is the company's 20th anniversary. And so to, to kind of kick that off and to kind of um, just, yeah, to get things rolling, we have uh, president and founder, John Bach. And so, uh, John, just in case anybody doesn't already know, as they should, though, um, little like let's just get things started. How are, How's it going? Well, who are you? What do you do? And what are we doing here? <laughs> okay. I'm John Bach. Uh, so, yeah, we celebrated our 20th anniversary yesterday. Uh, yesterday is now 20 years since I was in this, you know, basement, my parents' basement, building the very first computer, or at least like hoping to build the very first computer. Um, and so, yeah, this has been a very retrospective week for us, I, I think you'd say, as uh, we've been working on like a 20th anniversary video, and we're talking about, you know, the last 20 years, and then looking forward to like, okay, well, now we're going to do we have 20 years ahead, what are we going to do with the next 20 years? And it's cool. It's cool to kind of think through how we've changed, how we've not. Um, and then that continuity of like, as we've changed as a company through the years, what things have been like our bedrock, our foundation that we've built the whole thing on. So yeah, it's a very nostalgic time for us. Which is really neat uh, for me too, because I've, I've only been with the company a little over five years now. Um, and for new hires, we we do kind of a history of Puget Systems, mm-hmm. um, but I, f- I still feel like that's that's still very pared down. It's it's kind of just the the quick cliff notes, some funny anecdotes, and things like that. Um, I'm curious: is there anything that stands out that hasn't um, that hasn't really been communicated? Something um, that you'd like to share with everyone? Oh, interesting. That hasn't. Well, I mean, there's a lot of communication we have internally. So like, like Houston said, one of the things that we do uh, with any, anytime somebody joins the company is we sit down for an hour and we talk through, you know, like we're kind of about to do here, like the last 20 years. And I have fun with that. You know, um, every time I like tell a different story or, or a, a little different flavor and, um, so, you know, I don't think there's a lot that hasn't come out in, in one way or another, um, but we haven't done that really publicly, um, haven't talked about how we got started. So like the video was really the first even exposure. So if, if any of you haven't seen the video, I encourage you to check it out. It's like the five minute version of compressing 20 years <laughs> yeah. into five minutes. Um, but, you know, I think it does a pretty good job, like hitting all the high notes. Uh, it just doesn't go into the minutia of all the all the different stories. But certainly we have time, you know, where we go into that kind of stuff here. Yeah. Um... So, uh, yeah, actually, like, like, I guess let's just start from the beginning. Why, like, what really, um, what really started you down the the path of being a custom PC builder? Well, I think, um, I I guess I'll answer this in a way that probably a lot of people can see in themselves, uh, because I imagine there's a lot of, you know, tech enthusiasts or people that just enjoy tech in general. And that was me, you know, that was me in in high school and college, always like taking things apart and then hopefully it worked when I put it back together again. Um, And I had the fortunate um, experience through my uncle's printing company. Um, And probably a lot of people are like this, this too. Like when you are the person who knows technology, you become the guy, you're the person, right? (laughs) Right. Um, Anytime there's a question, 
efficient anytime they can't print anytime blah 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 they're, they're, <laughs> oh, yeah. they're who they go to and so i was that person at the printing company and that had the opportunity to grow into okay this printing company is going to a digital age we need computers we need um you know a lot of equipment and guidance to that i it's not like i had a lot of um answers, but I was willing to figure it out and had the kind of skills to at least figure out the tech. So um, I had that uh, opportunity of managing that fleet of computers for the printing my, for my uncle's printing company. They needed a website. I built that. They needed the ability to, uh, it was big in the printing industry every December, custom calendars. Oh, uh, sure. you, know, you, put, you upload all your pictures. And so I uploaded, or I made a, a program where you could upload all your pictures and it would make a PDF that then you would just hit print in the printing printing shop and you get your custom calendar and um, learned a whole ton of programming around that. I remember that was during my time at UW when I was a physics student there. And they, yeah, physics, which little, it's, it's similar discipline, I guess. But um, we had computer labs there, of course. And I remember spending just hours and hours and hours and hours in those computer labs Probably should have been doing my homework, <laughs> but I was programming instead, working on this this uh, this other stuff. And so, you know, I feel very fortunate because those experiences that I was able to gain through that work, like, gave me everything I needed to say, like, well, hey, okay, let's let's make a go at this. Like, I can build a website, so let's build a website. I can build computers, let's build computers. Um, and I was in the position of a, uh, I had a job, I was a student, um, so I don't know why I took on a third thing, uh, but I took <laughs> on a third thing. And you know, if it didn't go anywhere, then it didn't go anywhere. And I just keep my job and keep doing those things. Um, so you know, that's part of the wise reason why I'm such a proponent of um, you know, doesn't have to be a big step. Um, right. It doesn't have to be a huge thing that you do. Build one computer, sell one computer. It took mm. me like three months to do that, you know, <laughs> and then sell another computer. It took me another month to do that um, and let things build momentum. And you just kind of learn as you go. And that's really that's been the story of my last 20 years. Uh, you and I were talking yeah. before stream Houston of like, you know, how do you run a company when like this is all you've done? Like, and yeah, I mean, I, that's actually probably even a source of insecurity for myself is like I don't have any business training. I don't have any formal training <laughs> in this stuff, but I do have 20 years of taking just one step at a time. Right. Just the next step. And that's really all you have to, you know, worry about. Don't don't make it into a bigger thing than it needs to be. Just start. Yeah. I love that. Uh I feel like that is good advice for anybody who's trying looking to uh kind of make a change, whether it's starting your own business or jumping into a new career or uh anything like that. Just a little bit, little little step forward. Um and just continuing with that. Yeah. Um speaking of that, the uh, I suppose the kind of learning as you go what what's kind of been the the number one thing that you think of um big lesson i suppose yeah that, from all of this it's not about you <laughs> when it comes to helping your your customers uh, i'd say for the first um eight years or so of the business um it was all about i wouldn't say we we're like we we're selfish or like self self-centered but like it was about technology and it was about building computers and being excited about about the components and being excited about putting them together which of course you have to be like you have to love what you do but to try to project that that value onto your customers like mm. if they had that same set of skills and interests and they build their own computers which sure. i fully support uh but those aren't the people who buy from us the people who buy from us are the people that don't have the interest don't have the time don't have the skills um and so you need to put things in their terms 
what is it what is the value that you're bringing to them what is it that's important to them and you you become what you immerse, you immerse yourself in so if you immerse yourself mm-hmm. in like you know reddit and you know t- tech enthusiast stuff all the time which is fine like that's going to be what 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 you value and mm-hmm. as a company the more that we can immerse ourselves in the work our customers is doing the more that we value that as a company partially because we attract people into the company that value that as well but partially because you become what you surround yourself with um and yeah. boy it's, it's yeah. a much you provide such better value to the customer when you take the time to understand them and and like really meet those needs and really care um i had a great conversation with eric a few years back where he said like i'm not sure if i identify more with hardware or more with content creators like if i had to choose Mm. a side i think i'd choose the content creators and like that's success like that means that um you know you truly care and you're truly providing value so that's that's been the big lesson for me i think we started learning that lesson around 2008 um i said this in the video that 2008 was like a really tough year for us um that's another business advice. Don't buy buildings right before real estate uh, well, economy collapses. To be fair, it's hard to predict that kind of no. thing. No, <laughs> but that was rough. Um, it was rough to, um, you know, have real have bought, you know, way extended any purchase I've ever made in my life, you know, millions of dollars in a building and then like, oh, you know, the economy crash. Um, but anyway, my point is that period made us get really self-reflective over like where are we going why are we doing this and for myself even like hey if i if i don't have a purpose for all this and i'm like what's the point like i when i'm i'm have this level of stress and so we um you know we're able to make those like self-realizations and then all that time since then the last 12 years have just been really rewarding like really fruitful because it's about being something bigger it we're, we're part of something bigger than i'm serious so oh and like self-driving cars come out or like satellites go into space or like all these things happen or like you know new medical procedures and imaging techniques to be a part of that even if we're a tiny part of that is cool it's like that, that that's what gets me out of bed i have to agree that is i'm endlessly fascinated by the things that we are are involved in even in that little bit um like yeah it's i know we can't really we can't often talk about the specifics of things but yeah it or even early on for me um working here um it it gives me a sense of pride knowing that we are literally helping change the world like mm-hmm. there are things happening out there that probably wouldn't be happening without us and sometimes and, like it becomes so it almost becomes like um normal around here and mm-hmm. and that's almost like it's kind of sad sometimes like how, <laughs> how used to it we can get and sometimes you know every every couple of months i'll just kind of go through our list of like orders we have on the floor right now and just start like maybe i shouldn't use the word stalking but there's like looking up you know, like okay who's who's this person that bought a computer from us and mm-hmm. you google them and you get to know a little bit more and like whoa i had no idea like that person is working on micro satellites and then you know you google another person and so it's just cool like you know of course not everyone who buys from us has to be like a rock star scientist but it's amazing how many people are and that's just a big like um encouragement boost to me to do that and see the things we're a part of yeah uh okay so we do have we do have one question uh from twitch Sweet. actually mr isolator um he asks Oh, actually, I can show it even. Uh, I have a question. Does something unprecedented happen when we finally learn our own source code? Is that like a matrix question? (laughs) I honestly don't quite understand the question. I'm sorry. Uh, All right. That's okay. Uh, We might get a little more clarity uh, here in a little bit. Um, 
Oh, this is a good one too from uh, from Twitch. Kane the Game One asks, "What changes happened company wise related to yeah. the pandemic, and how has this changed the mindset of running a company?" Oh, how has it changed the mindset? Is a more difficult part of the question. I can tell you the story up to this point. Um, so yeah, when, when everything started to go into lockdown in February, March timeframe for us, that was there was a lot of uncertainty around that time, and you know it's 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 rough as a business owner or as a manager to have to start making contingency plans about like, all right, what if the business doesn't last through this? Um, I had to start answering questions to myself of like, hey, we have obligations. Like we sold computers last December that people were expecting are going to have support and warranty for like two or three years. And so, you know, started to put a plan together of like what it would look like to be a skeleton crew and and still meet all of our obligations, but under like a really difficult time. Um, that wasn't very fun. That was a lot of stress. Um, but, you know, you have to plan. You have to have contingency plans. Uh, it's mm-hmm. no different than, um, you know, Ashley's working on, like, um, you know, fire drills around the company. You have to have those. You have to have the plans ready. Um, but thank goodness, didn't need them. You know, yeah. <laughs> thank goodness. Uh, we had a little bit of a slow period in March. Um, mm-hmm. It was a weird year. Man, it was a weird year. Because as soon as we knew that lockdowns were happening, a lot of our customers did, like, a purchasing rush. Mm-hmm. Um, because they knew supply shortages were coming and that we wouldn't be able to ship orders if we were in lockdown. So they said, okay, before you go into lockdown, I need 50 computers. And so we were busy in February, a little bit um, less busy in March. Uh, but then what's happened with the whole work from home, um, I think first and foremost, like I'm trying to picture like, okay, at an aggregate level, like all, what all these companies are doing. And when they had to send all their employees home in February, March, first thing they did was like go out to Costco and buy a ton of $800 computers. And so, you know, that's what, what happened first is that that part of the business went bonkers, bonkers busy. Um, I know other peers, you know, we don't, we don't sell those types of computers, but people who were selling $800 computers were like six months backlogged in, in orders, uh, just nuts, nuts. Uh, so we didn't see that so much. Uh, but what we did see is a few months later when everyone has been trying to work on $800 computers for a living, (laughs) (laughs) then our business started to pick up, uh, because, uh, you know, they actually, this was not a short term thing. This wasn't just a band aid computer they needed for a few months. Lockdown was going to be longer. And so, uh, it's very common for us now, whereas a, 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 company used to buy from us and like we put 50 computers on a pallet and ship it out to their their loading dock right now we ship one computer here one computer there one computer here uh because we're shipping all to their employees that are working from home so we have been busy it has been a busy year now with nvidia cards and amd uh, processors out and in shortage um we're doing everything we possibly can to get that inventory we're doing a pretty decent job at it and that makes business even higher. So we're at like <laughs> double normal volumes and that's been mm-hmm. accumulating. So we're at like four times our normal work queue um, on the production floor. So, you know, for Houston, we don't build any computers. <laughs> 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 um, but so, you know, we're, we're just, we're just backlogged. So you can see on our sure. website, like we actually say we have a five to six week wait time yeah. right now. And yeah. um, we're working as hard as we can, uh, but it's because we're that busy. Right. Um, so, I guess the long answer to that question is like it, this year hasn't at all been what I expected. Like I prepared for the worst and then whiplash as we have like the exact opposite problem. Um, but I guess the lesson out of that has been like, you just got to have your contingency plans, um, right. plan, plan for, for the extremes and, and you'll be safe when it falls somewhere in between. Right. I'm, I'm a little shocked at how, how well things have gone as well. Um, 
and I, I think that that's true for pretty much anybody here. Like we, yeah. it was a little scary. We, we, a lot of us were, were wondering like, Oh man, what, what are we going to do? Can we do work from home? And yeah. I gotta, I gotta say, and I'm going to say this for the audience and everybody else at work, we have done an incredible job. Um, as as employees and as a company of handling this massive changes it is weird yeah. to to have a, a three minute commute where i just walk downstairs uh or or things like that and and i think we've done an incredible job of making the best of uh, uh, an unprecedented and completely new world yeah so super yeah. cool yeah no I'm, I'm proud of i'm proud of everyone um and, it, and it's not just like you know can we set up webcams and get on zoom calls because that was weird for a while i mean same thing as like putting on a mask like i don't have a webcam at home uh but but we got all that figured out and, and everyone got it going but then you start asking the deeper questions of like okay are people gonna like get depressed just staying at home all the time and how are you going to maintain relationships and like how are we going to onboard new employees and get them to to get to know each other and so you know we've had to do all that and it's you know it's an uphill battle a lot of times we have uh right now actually we have our our weekly zoom time is happening Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. people are playing among us or something else i don't know Uh, but we're doing that specifically because like we have to have some sort of interaction that happens organically when we're all right. in the office, but is not organic when when we're remote. And because it's not organic, you always feel like you're fighting it. You right. know that 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 it doesn't come naturally. But we have to do it anyway for the sake of you know everyone's well-being and relationships and whatnot. So that's been the toughest part. B- building computers through the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, there's been a bunch of problems. Absolutely, with you know we have to social distance, we have to mask, we have to be careful. Everyone's like stressed all the time, worried about you know whether there's an outbreak that's going to happen or something. Thankfully, right. we've been able to avoid all of that. Um, but the relationship piece, the people component, has been a lot more difficult than the computer component. Yeah, that's something I. Sp- you, you, that's one of those things too that you just really couldn't you can't really anticipate that kind of thing until until you're looking at it yeah um wow uh let's see here we know we've been getting some good questions here yeah um, good good uh, oh here's a good one from youtube uh molly asks for those interested in tech uh a learning hands-on versus going to school for four plus years has puget thought about offering training courses to either fill or grow the needs of the company or those outside yeah we did a couple things in the past it's always been a little difficult for us to do because the trying of training that we do is you know i don't know if you really want what you're what you'd be signing up for um <laughs> it, it, it takes us about four months to certify somebody in, in building computers way we build computers and it's very different when you're not like building for yourself because um, you just do kind of whatever you want to do. Right. Um, but when you're building for someone else or you're building for a company, you have to get outside the box of like what you want to do and have it be how they want it to be done. And so we've had to navigate issues over, over the past of like, you know, everyone wants to wire their own way. But it's actually better for the customer if we all wire the same way and have consistency and best practices and whatnot. Um, so, okay, what was the question? Training courses. So that's been mm. a challenge for us. Like we've done internship programs in the past. Uh, we've had a um, we had an event uh, one time. I really enjoyed this event. It was a bring your own components. And we'll have a Saturday and we put all the computers together together. And then we did like a potato bar uh, lunch oh, kind neat. of thing. Um, yeah, that'd be cool to do again when, you know, we can see people. <laughs> yeah. um, so 
I guess, you know, it's not a great answer to the question, but I guess the other way to answer is like, we are okay with this company being a stepping stone. If you want to come in, work as an assembly person for a number of years and then go on either at another place and the company would be our first choice, like Houston, <laughs> um, or go off and do something else, like be upfront with us. And that could be a plan. That's, that's perfectly fine. Um, mm-hmm. So we're happy to offer that training. It's just, you have to know what you're getting into. Like, it's not a short thing. It's, no. it's a, it's a half a year thing to get that training. For sure. Yeah. Um, and that, that I, I like how you pointed out the, the mindset change too. Cause like there's, there's thousands of people out there who build their own PCs and stuff, but um, yeah, that, that mindset change of like, you have to think about the next person and that's, that's on the micro scale. Like as far as like the production flow goes, like from inventory to assembly to shipping and all that. But also once the, the end user gets the, the machine too, you got to think that far ahead and make sure that like, either either the end user themselves or their IT person has the has everything set the uh, uh, way to make their job uh, easier and and you know so they don't have to fuss around and un- unhook a bunch of things or or redo a bunch of work um it's that was uh yeah 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 absolutely they don't end users don't often value the same things that you value mhm uh, oh, I have, this is, we're getting some great questions. Thank you guys very much. Um, yep. Hakan Broderlund asks, uh, or says, and then asks, mm-hmm. didn't know uh, Matt was your brother. Uh, how is it to have family as employees, the power structure balance, separate work and life at, at family events and so forth? Yeah, I've definitely heard horror stories of other people that work with family. And I'm very thankful that we don't have, we don't seem to be that way. Um, no, I think we actually do a pretty good job. We work together really well. Um, frankly, like I don't actually see Matt very often. Um, <laughs> he's, he's working from home. He's he's doing his labs thing. Um, so no, no, it, it's been great. I'd say, you know, we have rules around family events. Like uh, if we start talking, it's so easy. And for years we did, for years we did that any family event, it'd be so easy just to walk, talk, uh, slip into work talk and then oh. hours can go by. And like, we're having a fun time. Everyone who didn't work for Puget, nah, not, not as fun. <laughs> um, so, you know, we just have a rule. Like there's no work talk at, at family events. Um, you know, maybe if we have to answer a quick question, but but no, we don't do that. And, and uh, you know, my mom, my wife are pretty good about like, stopping us if we if we get into work talk uh so we maintain a a separation oh good that's cool uh oh here's an interesting one and i think i think (laughs) this i think this one is is pretty common i think um that's booing on chat but i don't know why uh no need for a name asks what does puget mean i saw that comment and i was i don't know i imagine is it a, a native american um word i would guess so considering the the or, locale or maybe it could be um like a, a explorer names mm, you know some mm. captain of a ship i Johan, i regret that i don't have an answer for the, for the that question sure so in a broader sense the puget in puget systems refers to the the puget sound uh, yes. the, the body of water that's very close to where the company's located for uh, for anybody who's not outside of the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I just don't know what the word Puget like. What is the Latin derivation of Puget? I don't know what the where the word comes from. Right, it comes from fisticuffs, right? Like pugilists, right? No. <laughs> I was just kidding, just kidding. Uh, uh, but but I gave some of the background in the um, in the in the video. But the little bit longer version was actually I, I don't know if I've even talked about this for a long time. For a very brief moment, the name of the company was Seattle Computer. 
computers, uh, seattlecomputers.net. Oh. Um, and then it became Puget Sound Systems because, you know, I want to be more broad than just Seattle. So now it's Puget Sound. Like, little do I know, like, we're, we're almost, we were worldwide <laughs> for a while, right? Um, but yeah, we are Puget Sound Systems for a while. Unfortunately, if you're not from the Puget Sound, you see the other two words, sound systems. And I got a few, like, emails asking for, uh, for, um, car stereos and, and whatnot. <laughs> so then for a while, we were Puget Custom Computers. Mm-hmm. And that was actually an SEO decision um, to be oh. higher in search results for custom computers, which was actually very effective at the time when those kinds of things were effective for search engine optimization. Um, I'm actually very thankful that search engine optimization these days is much more around like, do you actually put out content that helps people? If so, you rank well. <laughs> like, oh, so it, sure. it, it's it's much much better. Uh, so anyway, um, about ten years ago, I think, changed it to Puget Systems. That's just a shortening of Puget Sound Systems. Um, our corporation name. If you ever do like legal business with us, we're still Puget Sound Systems Incorporated. That's the legal name, uh, but we operate under Puget Systems. Hmm, okay. So uh, I've been told internally that in nineteen. 19- in 1792, George Vancouver gave the name Puget's Sound to the waters south of the Tacoma Narrows in honor of Peter Puget, a, I'm going to not say this right, Hugh Huguenot uh, lieutenant accompanying him on the Vancouver expedition. This name Sweet. later came to be used for the waters north of Tacoma Narrows as well from Wikipedia. Okay. There it is. That was from the explorer. <laughs> Um, oh, this is one that we get often enough and uh, perhaps a little uh, expansion on this. Um, Colin B. 1988 asks, will Puget ship to Canada? We have shipped to Canada in the past. Uh, we shipped to Australia in the past and the UK in the past. And um, yeah, this is one of the difficult things about being a custom computer company is deciding where the line is for things that you do and things that you don't do Mm -hmm. Uh, because it's very easy to say well let's expand into canada let's expand into liquid cooling let's expand into laptops Uh, and then you end up doing so many things poorly um that you've kind of lost your value overall Mm -hmm. um and so um we made the choice about six years ago i'd say to um, exit from international sales and exit from laptop sales. Uh, the reason why, you know, why were those things on the chopping block to begin with is because we didn't provide as good of experience. With laptops, we didn't provide as, as much like control over the quality and the components that went into the laptops. And with Canada, and more so with like Australia and the UK, we had problems with, you know, shipping cost and export tariffs and trade controls and tech support hours, you know, not a problem with Canada, but like for Australia, mm-hmm. how are we going to provide tech support at the hours that they would expect and have it be like good tech support? You know, it's, yeah, it's harder yeah. to find, you know, quality people that'll provide tech support at 3 a.m. than yeah. it would be during the day. So those, that's why we made the decisions we did. I, I'll freely admit that like Canada is absolutely like, that's the first thing that I would want to, to open back up. Um, but the experience just wasn't great. Um, shipping a, you know, $10,000, $5,000 computer up and then having this like huge amount of taxes due on, on delivery. And then anytime you had to ship a com- computer back and forth for warranty concerns, uh, there'd be, you know, making sure you didn't get dinged with tax again. Um, so just not fun. It was totally solvable, right? It's all solvable, but it takes time and energy. And we had to make decisions about where we focus our time and energy. So we're really big about, we have 
have to stay focused or else we're not going to do things really well. And that was something that that fell outside that focus. Unfortunately, like sucks for people in Canada. We want to help you. Uh, but, you know, those are the tough decisions we have to make sometimes. Yeah. Uh, that leads me to a question. Um, uh, and this sort of business related uh, going forward. Um, would it be and I know kind of the answer to this, but to give everybody a chance at it, um, what sort of thoughts have we given to uh, sort of like franchising or something along those lines where perhaps, you know, uh, I know there are companies in the UK that kind of do what we do. Is there a, is there a thought of like partnership or things like that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Eric would mind if we talked about this a little bit because uh, we're, we're only in the very beginning stages of it. We're working on that uh, because we know that the, the, primary thing that we're providing into the world is um, the research and the knowledge and the experience of, you know, what what is the right way to put together a workstation that meets the needs of these individuals. And that, you know, that community, that communication can span borders and time zones very, very easily. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think, you know, we're, what we're doing, in fact, even via the stream, we are looking for like-minded companies in different geographies that we can just pair up with, um, even if there's not like a financial relationship, you know, if it's just saying, hey, I have a customer in this area, I want to help. Help, but I can't. Um, so, you know, let's find a way that together we can help that that customer. So, yeah, yeah, we're, we're definitely open to that. Uh, we're very early in the process for it. We don't quite know what it would look like yet, um, but that could very well be a, a solution to the problem, even if it's just a referral network of like, I'm sorry, we can't help you, but this company in Australia is great. You should talk to them. Like even that would be would be a great benefit. Yeah, because I've I unfortunately as part of my job in social media, I often have to tell people like, sorry, we don't we don't do exports. And then I'll get the response of, well, can you make a recommendation? And I I don't know anybody in Germany. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And that's the thing, like it takes time and energy to do that, too, because you don't want to end up recommending a company that doesn't do a good job. Um, right. So, you know, you don't want to just like Google someone. So you, you have to you have to put in the time and, and make sure it's a good recommendation. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, I had another. Oh, I suppose. I guess this one is for me directly. But I, I'd like to know a little bit. I suppose, I think you can expand on this one as well. Um, but it says Hakan Broderlund asks for Houston. Uh, it was mentioned a minute ago that you worked your way up the company positions these five years, started on the floor and Puget liked your jolly energy that you moved over to social. Um, so, yeah, sort of. Uh, I was a bit of a squeaky wheel, actually, um, uh, regarding our social media presence for Mm. years, for years. (laughs) Uh, It started with me doing the build streams, um, things like that. And um, I think that was, in my opinion, that was kind of the first real uh, kind of nugget that showed like, we, we, we have an audience there that we can really kind of leverage. Um, But I'm curious, I'm curious from, from your point of view, how, in 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 a broader sense marketing and social media and all that stuff has has been in a thought and how that evolved yeah because it definitely has evolved um we didn't have a marketing department until even a few years ago um it didn't mean we didn't market it just meant that it was all like discombobulated you know uh, it, it wasn't uh, cohesive um so i mean what was your question just how how it's evolved over time yeah it, like um just i suppose the 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 first little nugget of like oh we really need to you know, do this right. And then okay. how has that changed? I think it, it, it was mostly became apparent when like, no matter what, we're going to be doing those things. We're going to have a social media account. We had build streams. Uh, but as those things picked up in 
um, just activity and popularity, uh, it became apparent like, okay, we need somebody at the wheel. <laughs> you know, we need somebody like directing this and like coordinating it. We need this activity to actually be on the same uh, wavelength as this activity, like saying the same things and agreeing with each other. Each other. And so that's why that's, that's when we formed the marketing department. And holy cow, like it's amazing when you provide that structure and like goal and purpose to a team like the, the marketing team has been just on fire for for years now um since the beginning um so yeah and then and then on a personal note like i love being a part myself of a company that lets people move and gravitate to, towards like what they're interested in and like even like we've done this in the past with with some individuals where like even if it doesn't work out and then mm-hmm. you end up going to something else or going back where you were or doing something else like that's the that's the cool thing about being a team where like we really just want to support each other and and improve um that you know we can we can try those things and so to me it's really cool to see you uh go from building computers live streaming now doing our social media accounts and all of that and i know that that's with with mixed feelings too because i loved those build streams and and you did such a great job building computers um but you know it's the same question personally as it is for a company as right. to, you know where's your focus where what are you going to do because you can't do it all right um in regards to uh, like the flexibility you say like oh somebody could move to a position if it doesn't work out it's okay do you find that that is um is that because we're we're small or do you do you think maybe bigger companies could do that too i don't see a reason why bigger companies can't do it uh, i think the bigger you get the more kind of red tape you have to go through where you can't like it's it's less like relationship based so mm. like i think we get to know each other enough here at puget we're still at a size where we can do that we're like we're emotionally invested in each other's success and so mm-hmm. when you have especially like in a manager position if you have a manager who it was just a bunch of numbered employees you know your employee number right. 82 then hey if you're not having a fun time doing what you're doing like I don't care. We need to build computers, like keep building. And, you know, the, the fact that we have these relationships means that even when it is to the detriment of their own department, we have managers saying like, okay, this person has got to go uh, given a chance to, to go do something else. And so that, that to me is pretty cool. And that's probably harder to find in, in bigger organizations, but still not impossible. I mean, no matter how, what size your company, you're going to have relationships with people around you. I like this question, but I'm unsure how to answer it. Amenagoni on Twitch asks, what platform do you mm-hmm. prefer to build, AMD or Intel, which seems to be the easier one? Well, I mean, for me. For me yeah, for you. <laughs> I think organizationally, like I can answer organizationally. Uh, organizationally, for Puget, Intel is probably the easier one for us because mm-hmm. like, we just did a decade of building 99% Intel builds. Uh, so like every possible thing that can go wrong, we already know about. Uh, we know all the pitfalls to look for. We have all the tricks down pat and whatever. Um, but I'd say that AMD is probably the more exciting build to build in right now. Uh, just it's cool to see, you know, the company come from an underdog position and just blow it out of the water. They're doing such an amazing job. And, you know, I personally would feel some of that more excitement uh, building those computers. Um, but really, I mean, at this point, it's just awesome that we have competition that is close enough that everyone is pushed to be their absolute best, bring the best they have to the table. And you're going to see that excitement on, on either side. So I don't know. That's kind of a non-answer. It's just, it's just different. I'm more familiar with Intel, but, but AMD is pretty darn exciting right now. Yeah, I, I would agree. It kind of comes down to uh, what you're just more familiar with as far as ease of building. Like uh, if you've done it a million times, you, 
it's easy. Um, and that, that actually <laughs> extends that extends to like you know okay I'm a big organization I'm a big enterprise company which one should I buy? Um, because you know now you have benchmarks saying well you're going to get five percent better ten percent better performance on this AMD processor, but there's a lot less like experience built around that like worldwide experience built around it you know mm-hmm. there's probably going to be more software bugs there's probably going to be more hardware things to work out now is it worth it if for a lot of people probably um but for a lot of the bigger organizations there's actually something to be said about like go with the tried and true right uh, let 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 the rest of the world like work out this first phase and then buy next next generation or whatever because yeah. you get you if you have to get work done then don't take the chances so the answer is different there's like there's no blanket answer for anyone about whether Intel or AMD is, is best. They both have very legitimate strengths and weaknesses. Mm. So this one is really fun. And Matt's going to, he says he's going to find the answer himself. But I'm curious, do you know from uh, DZ Slacker on YouTube, what uh, were the specs on the first Puget Workstations built okay, 20 we'll see, years ago? We'll see how close I can get from memory and then see what <laughs> Matt comes up with. I would say it's a K7V um um motherboard that would have been a super seven socket which was really cool because if i remember right you could put amd or cirix processors in the same motherboard um and so that would have been somewhere around um like an athlon amd thunderbird like 800 megahertz processor Mm -hmm. it was probably i don't know two gigs of memory or something 20 gigs of memory uh that's my guess matt can tell me if i'm wrong we'll, we'll see what he comes up with um let's see oh this was uh, this was a uh, one another one from YouTube. Manuel Hoffer asks, um, "Would it be a good idea to switch from a PC nerd who likes to build PCs and help my surrounding people with their PC problems to a more professional style?" I guess it depends on like what your goals are. Like if if you want to do PC stuff as a hobby. Um, then, you know, just go have fun and, and helping people that are like-minded to you uh, could be a very rewarding way to do that and to like continue to learn new things and help your friends. Um, but if you want to use those skills to go do something in the world uh, beyond just, just building the computers, then I would encourage you to go professional, but it goes back to what I said earlier. Like you really got to change your mindset at that point to be, what do I want to do out there in the world? Do I want to be a part of machine learning and artificial intelligence? If so, Mm. immerse yourself, immerse yourself in that stuff and go there and be the computer guy for those people. Um, But, you know, you kind of have to decide for yourself, where do you want to go? What do you want to contribute into the world? I like um, to to add on to that. I like um, some of our internal training surrounds um, the why, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so like I'd I'd, I'd I'd excuse me. I would add that as well. Um, take a moment to think about like why you would want to go into the professional side of it. Um, yeah, and then and and then go from there. Because um, like, and I would say if your answer is to make money. That's probably not the best place to start, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm a big proponent. I, I, somebody said a long time ago, and maybe this is like a widespread saying that I'm just not aware of, but they said, if your only goal in life is to earn money, you will do that, but only that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just want to make money, I'm sure there's a hundred ways that you could go do that. Uh, but are you going to be fulfilled? Um, so 
I think conversely, find what you're good at and what you're passionate about. And as long as you've put some thought into it, most often, especially these days, man, the, there's so much opportunity these days. Most often, like you can find a way to make a make a living doing that. And it might be less, it might be a little bit more meager, but it's going to be a lot more fulfilling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's something I, I, I touch on a lot in my personal life is like with the kids and stuff is we, we're living in an amazing time where you can make a living out of anything that you're interested in. Yeah. From basket weaving to stickers to jam anything and, yeah. and i, I yeah. love it it gives me so much i just get so excited that's super cool it kind of ties back to like when we when we kind of investigate some of the customers and stuff is like people are doing amazing things out there that you just would never even think of or be exposed to and it's yeah. incredible and the passion so cool. is important like so if we're talking like my kids all want to be streamers of course <laughs> <laughs> thanks houston for that <laughs> uh. <laughs> they love they, they, every time you did the build stream they would bring it up especially and watch the build stream. Um, but anyway they want to be streamers but it's actually cool that like actually you know what if you're passionate about it, it's amazing how much that like excitement comes through and like people want to watch those things. Um, and so you can be like, if you love basket weaving, but you're like super passionate about it, but you have to be like, if you're a oh, yeah. fake, if you're a fake basket weaver, you're not going to have a successful uh, YouTube channel. Doing yeah. That. That's, and that's the truth of it. And it, it is, it's the passion, right? That's like, that's why I think everybody loves to listen to Don. I yeah. may not, I may not know a, a lick of or understand it but it's the that passion that excitement that he he genuinely loves everything that he's talking about and you just get sucked into it and it's yeah. so cool yeah uh, I'm, I'm seeing matt's post in the specs that's pretty yeah. close yeah it, it was 800 megahertz but it was amd duron that's kind of like the celeron of uh mm-hmm. of amd um 128 <laughs> megs of ram i was way off there wow Ooh. and it costs Two thousand twenty-one oh seven. Two thousand dollars. Two thousand. And now the Raspberry Pi is like four times faster. Right. Uh, oh, that's funny. He says a, a comment on the order was: if you have access to the internet and use Internet Explorer, you can find links to each product's descriptive homepage by accessing this quote online at. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. Right on. Let me see. I think there were some other questions too. Uh, oh, here's a good one from Lyndon Carolison uh, on YouTube. I liked the mineral oil cooled PC you guys did. What would be the most unconventional build you offer today? Oh, interesting. Well, we are we were much less conventional back then. Um, I, I still have fond memories. Like it was totally like unsustainable. But like building those mineral oil PC kits were were cool. Uh, we also back in the day built um, these quad socket systems, which were awesome. They took so much work. I think you built some of those, right, Houston? Like two, yeah. I think. Did you? Well, I mean, yeah. that, was, that was like a week right there, right? Because um, it was multiple days of like sitting there with a grinder to the case making things mm-hmm. fit. But it was pretty cool. Um, and, cool. and, and our unique offering there was we did a quad socket system. I think at that point that was like 64 cores, which now is crazy. You can get in one socket, <laughs> right. um, but 64 cores and it was in a tower and it was quiet. And mm-hmm. that was like the unique mm-hmm. offering. It wasn't all that special to like, go find this like loud blower rack mount that could do quad socket, but to do another quiet workstation. And yeah. I would say that probably still rings true today is that's the most unconventional thing we do is mm-hmm. that we'll take enterprise class gear but we'll put it on your desk and we do that because a lot of times we're selling to the developers uh, right. the people writing the code doing the research and we know like once that's done this is going to be a server farm or it's going to be in the cloud but during the development phase they have to have the hardware right then and there and so we have to be uh 
um, creative with like, how do we make that quiet? Because boy, a lot of this gear was not made to be quiet. <laughs> no. it's way too many watts, way too small heat sinks. Um, so, you know, we're not sitting there with grinders anymore. Thankfully, mm-hmm. we we're able to have enough partnerships with like Noctua and, and chassis companies that we can actually have things built for this stuff. Um, but yeah, that's still the most unconventional thing we do. That's cool. I, I, I think also that was... I think some of the most expensive things we've ever done, single systems at least that we've ever done, like over a hundred grand. Yeah. 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 Yeah, When you load those things up, they could take a 16 or six terabytes of memory. um, And then one person we had bottom was just like maxed out the case with SSDs. Um, And yeah, that one was over a hundred K. That was pretty intense. You put Um, a lot of like shipping insurance on that one when you ship it. Oh, for sure. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is an interesting question too. Amenagoni on Twitch asks, um, "What would be your idea to help out with the recent GPU issues with people trying to get one with the bots drying up the market?" And I'd like to expand on that a little bit. And, and how has that affected our business beyond just extended lead times and things like that? Uh, beyond extended lead times, uh, well, so it means that we have to be a whole lot more proactive so this is the problem with the channel like overall with with the industry is like 10 years ago i we sold a a computer we went we bought the parts they were in stock all the time we shipped them in we built the computer and out it went and those days ended years ago uh and it started with crypto mining actually um (laughs) uh, when power supplies and gpus went into shortage and so now we have to be way more um deliberate with our supply chain and that starts all the way back with like talking to amd and then working out with AMD, which distributors the product's going into, seeing if we can get an allocation for that. We have to manage that supply chain much more. In fact, manage isn't even the right word. We have to babysit the supply chain much more diligently. Um, and we have to stock a whole lot more. And that doesn't help things either, right? Wouldn't it be better for the world if we only bought what we, you know, I feel like sometimes we're doing a run on toilet paper, right? Um, <laughs> but when, when we can only find little pockets of supply once every month, we have to bring in enough to last us that that month so we're not here hoarding technology uh, but we are not relying on the warehouses in california housing all the product and having things on the shelf we have them on our shelves instead and that's that's a way we can meet our commitments to our customers in order to to get things you know actually provide computers overall uh, you know everyone's going to think they're the most important right the crypto miners mm-hmm. they want to be first in line i want to be first in line the people who are probably from new egg want to be first in line um i'll give a little defense of why i think we should be first in line but like sure. everyone everyone thinks they should be is that you know these are going into machines that are that are like we said earlier like are changing the world like they're very important machines it's one of the reasons why we're considered an essential business and we're open even during lockdown and quarantine is because we are building the computers that let other people work from home stay safe still make a living uh keep food keep food on the table and whatnot so you know that's that's why i'm you know that's the case i use when i go uh to to try to get allocation on this stuff Mm -hmm. uh but you know everyone's own project is important. So I feel you. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, it, it is tough to make that case, at least for me on crypto mining. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious. I, I'm curious too, over time. Um, how, how, I guess, how do I early on, how did you develop the relationships with 
um, distributors and then and then the manufacturers and things like that. Well, you know, you and I talked earlier before the stream, Houston, of like, how do you know how to do those things? That was like 20 years of learning all the wrong ways to do it. And it started <laughs> with um, even the biggest mistake I made from a, like a purchasing product standpoint was um, as soon as I sold a couple of computers, I moved out to Redmond um, and rented a house there and ran Puget Systems out of there. And I did that because most of the computer shops were there in Redmond. So I was literally just like, you know, Fry's wasn't a thing back then, but like just driving down to Fry's, buying my stuff and then coming back. Um, and I did that because, you know, that's that's where most of the stuff was in the Puget Sound area was over in Redmond. Um, so I learned the hard way after a few years doing like, what you mean I can place an order online and have stuff shipped to me? And so <laughs> Learned that um, and learned that um, even though, you know, there was a cost, you know, this was before the days of Amazon and stuff, right? So, like, it was expensive to ship things. It actually wasn't very apparent that that was a business model you could use. Um, so, started buying stuff from California, uh, was able to negotiate some better deals. I remember the first chance so we were in our SeaTac house and uh, found that if I buy, you mean if I buy 50 cases, I can get a discount? So, I bought 50 cases and we filled up an entire bedroom with cases. Um <laughs> But, you know, that's that's where those conversations happened was just learning slowly over like five to eight years uh, what what the right method was to do those things. And then just over time in the industry, you just build up, you know, I know somebody that I can go to and ask a question. They can introduce me to someone else. And like, you know, none of it's like a secret club or anything, but like you have to form relationships mm -hmm. in order to know like who to go to. Um, but in our industry, it's like, it's no secret. There's distributors like Cynix and ASI and tech data and DNH. Um, those are the people you go to the problem these days. And with the last few years has been like, they don't have supply either. Um, right. cause the moment they get, it's the same as like Amazon and Newegg, they could get a thousand processors and in a couple minutes, they're all gone and taken. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it takes a lot more, like I said, babysitting, uh, making sure that you do, you aren't left behind on that stuff. <laughs> Oh, there was. Uh, oh, so we kind of touched on this uh, a little earlier, but um, I'd like to kind of swing back around because uh, Rick Wang on YouTube asks, what does Puget Systems think about offering internship opportunities in the future? What, what, what was the uh, one more time? Uh, what does Puget Systems think about offering internship opportunities in the future? Yeah, it's it's one of those things like I've I've wanted to do that and we have rarely been successful in actually like executing that in a way that I'd be proud of. Um, so the honest answer is that's probably not on the cards in the immediate future, but it's with a regret that I say that like I would love, love to find a way to make that happen. I think maybe a more um, feasible way would be to do something like the bring your stuff and let's build computers together Saturday again, something oh, like that. We're like, Hey, let's, let's that. exchange knowledge and stories. Uh, but it isn't so much in this like corporate, like almost like legalistic, setting as like an internship would be mm. i 100 support that and would be there to do that i would i love that idea so much it would be cool just super cool um, i think i think after you know all this lockdown stuff ends we will all just want to find any excuse to be <laughs> to be together <laughs> uh oh ben nelson our very own ben nelson. Uh, on youtube asks 2020 excluded what has been the most memorable year for you in puget's history well, there's the good year and the bad year. Uh, well, and actually, no, they're the same year. Oh, um, <laughs> maybe 2008. Awesome. Maybe 2008. Uh, okay. I can tell a little bit of the longer story that um, we bought a building, this building I'm in right now. It was just a concrete box. So 
So like we had to do all of the construction build out. And the way that it works financially is we got a loan for the building. And then you have to go get a separate loan for the tenant improvements for the construction piece. Oh, no problem. We, we bought the building before the economy tanked, but we hadn't gotten the loan yet for the construction work. And basically, you know, the lending industry was much different and we didn't have the loan to value ratio that we needed to do that to that construction loan. And so that's a really rough position to be in, to be basically, I wouldn't say overextended, but to have extended ourselves very far buying this big concrete box that I can't use until we build out an office and can occupy it. And right. so that's where we had to put personal money up and like it was, it was really rough. Um, but, you know, we got through it and actually we learned some very like, we got very aggressive financially, very conservative, I'd say, um, financially during that time. Mm -hmm. And here, you know, it feels so good now, years later, to like, we had this 30-year mortgage we paid off in 10 um, years. So the building is free and clear. And um, and now we, you know, instead of um, making mortgage or double mortgage payments every month, we're putting that into a savings and we build up this, you know, this savings account. We basically have like our emergency fund, like the personal, the company equivalent of an emergency fund, which is so nice that when we go into pandemic years, you know, that we can have that and we have like breathing room. So that was rough, but also very defining. Like I think a lot of our company, company personality was defined in that 2008 time. And then, like I said earlier, because of those rough times, we had to get way more deliberate about like prior to 2008, it was a lot of like, Hey, whatever order happens to come in, that's what we're building now. Like it was very less deliberate, you know, it was very passive in terms of how we were approaching the business. And in 2008, we got hungry enough where we had to answer the questions like, okay, what is our goal? What are we actually doing? And that's when this whole, like we're an experienced company. Uh, we do authority-based selling. We're much more an advocate for our customers than we are of the technology itself. Like all of that stuff, the seeds were planted in 2008 during that rough year so it's good and bad like you, you have to have those rough times to really get to know yourself and yeah. make those decisions yeah. so in a related question hakan broderlund also asks apart from 2008 what other major hardships has puget faced any time near to closing the doors to the business uh well that sort of thing yeah no i'd be happy to uh i mean the answer short answer is no like we've been in a very strong position um ever aside from that that one time um and you know i guess you know in march of this year it was we might have had the doors closed on us it was the worry um if we couldn't continue to operate as an essential business uh but no i the only other time I'd cite is in the very beginning, but boy, you know, those first couple of years, uh, thank goodness I had a job. Thank goodness I had a purpose going, going to school. Uh, cause there was times like my goal was to sell a computer so I could pay rent. Like that was my life goal was to, yeah. was to pay rent. And, you know, I'm sure that's very common for a lot of college students. Um, but you know, I think that's a little bit different than what, than the, what, what the question is asking. So, you know, once we were a real company and bigger, um, we've been in pretty, pretty strong position. You say real company. At what point did you think, okay, this is legit? Yeah. To me, it was probably around the time where we moved out of like renting houses and, and got a warehouse. Um, and at that point, we were about 10 employees. That would have been sometime around like 2004, late 2003. Um, prior to that, you know, like it was, it was me, it was 
a good friend of mine from all the way back in high school, Wilson, my brother, Matt, and like we were a business, but like if things had fallen apart, like we'd all just go back to our lives and things would continue. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, the, the difference happened when like we had more obligations, uh, not only to our customers, but to our people. And like today, you know, fast forward now we're at 47 employees. Um, that's my primary obligation, uh, right, is is um, to keep the livelihood of those 47 people like going and intact. Um, so, you know, that that line was crossed to me uh, around 2004 when we had 10 employees and moved into a rest. Man, that's that's got to be pretty heavy to think about the the lives and livelihood of of. 47 other people that's well that's it, 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 i don't think it's yeah, i guess but it's, it's not as much as i think you might think because it's it's not that like you know i wouldn't i wouldn't presume to be like you know this is the only place people can get jobs so it almost it just kind of changes the color of like how we approach it like so we are okay with people using puget as a stepping stone to somewhere else because that's part of our job is to equip people to, to grow and learn and be useful contributing members to society and, and the industry. Um, and so as long as we do that job well, then I don't have to worry so much about like what happens after Puget or if Puget goes down. Um, Cause it's more a matter of, are we equipped? Are we equipping our people to handle that as well? So it doesn't weigh on me as heavily as, or maybe I'm just used to it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, Tuchulu on Twitch asks, do you still build computers yourself? Occasionally. Um, so, I mean, yes, anytime I need one for myself, uh, I feel too guilty to ask someone to put it together. So I, I build it. Uh, but then also um, I want to do this way more than I am. Uh, but I've challenged myself to at least twice a year go build like pull a computer from the floor. I think it's been longer than six months since I've, no, I don't think it's been longer than six months. Um, but yeah, to, to build and partially to like, I, I want, I don't want to be the boss that like has no idea what he's talking about. And I think I'm already pretty darn close to that. So I want to do everything I can uh, to keep myself like in, familiar with everything that's going on, on at all parts of the business. Uh, that helps me make better decisions and makes me um, more rounded as an individual. And it keeps me in touch. So, you know, I said earlier, like you are the things you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. Um, if I didn't do that, then it would be a lot more easy to like be more calloused to the needs of our customers. Uh, so I want to keep myself in the thick of it. I appreciate that. There have been times where I've had bosses who try to tell me how to do my job and have never done my job. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it, and it, it's, it can be abrasive thing to, and so I, I, I appreciate that you're the kind of boss who likes to be involved and to know uh, you have that more personal touch. You like to know the employees. You like to know the processes to, to really understand how everything works. And um, which is really cool. Thanks. <laughs> I spent a lot of time worrying about if that's true. Honestly, if I'm real honest, um, I, I, I worry as we get bigger about maintaining mm-hmm. that. So it just, it just takes more effort for me to make sure that happens. <laughs> And I'd also like to add on, you built the computer that I'm using right now. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that's kind of cheating, right? <laughs> I guess. I mean, it was a, it was, so it's a knuck. And so I guess it was, it wasn't too difficult, but still, yeah. that was fun. <laughs> uh, oh, Matt actually has a good question. So Matthew Bach on YouTube asks, uh, he's curious, what was your favorite, most memorable event you've gone to? PDX LAN, PAX, Intel AMD events? Well, I think I, I hold the most nostalgia over the PAX or the, the PDX LAN events. Uh, and I think partially, like, you know, you go to PAX 
like, so this was back, you know, 10 years ago when we were doing more gaming machines. So we're not a part of those communities as much anymore, but you, you go to PAX and it's like, it's like a ginormous circus and it's awesome. It's amazing. But like you go there to like, just be wowed and, and you don't kind of leave with, with as much, but you go to PDX land and it was much smaller and you have a whole weekend of having community, uh, like conversations with people. And we were there, like we were there just to like show our stuff and help people. Uh, so like if they had a computer go down, we'd help them out. If they forgot their keyboard, we'd loan them a keyboard. Like we were just kind of there to help. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think back across the years, like those are my biggest memories and it's not because of the event itself, but it's because of all the people um, and the time you spent with people. I remember it was a guy named Dale. Uh, so one year we did a contest where um, silly, it was silly. We, uh, who could get the best lap time in a racing game, but using a DDR dancing trackpad oh, as a controller. Nice, nice. And, and um, it's just amazing. People spent hours and hours shaving every last second off it like dancing on a ddr trackpad to drive a car but like those are the kind of things those were fun um but there's one more thing that's even more memorable this was at an intel event uh where this was in denver and um of course you know it's like the fun event they always like you know you do business during the day and then they take you out to dinner we have some networking event at night and we went to this like rodeo cowboy place um for for the dinner and i got into a mechanical bull riding contest with our intel rep and and i will never let sean live it down that i beat him in the mechanical bull riding contest oh that's awesome <laughs> yes. oh cool <laughs> wow that is really cool yeah those are those sean. times like i'm i'm happy there's no recording of that <laughs> <laughs> that you know of that I know. Yeah, <laughs> pick on Sean too much and we might actually get to see that. Uh, so, oh, Hakon Broderlund has another question from, so from YouTube. Uh, being so close to the big tech companies, uh, any direct change Puget has had? Oh, yeah. Um, and I wonder, I'm, I don't know if he's asking whether we've affected them or if they've affected us. So let's let's go from both sides. Well, hey, I mean, there are, there are both sides. I, mean, I think first and foremost, I'll talk about how they've affected us mm -hmm. has been that has been my biggest exposure into something that's not Puget. Because to, to your point earlier, Houston, like I went to college, I had a job for a printing company and then I did this like that is my resume. And um so a lot of times my biggest challenge is like, well, I don't even know what normal is. Now, sometimes that's a strength. Like I'm not tied to like doing the same way, doing the things the same way everyone else does. Uh, but it's really helpful to me to go to these like Intel events, AMD events and network, get to know other people and then bring back like the parts I like, at least, mm -hmm. you know, uh, to know what, what normal is and how other people um, handle things. Now, how we've affected them is probably even more exciting um, and really rewarding uh, to be a part of. And when we were smaller, like this is one of the reasons why you kind of have to continue to grow and, and build over time, because now we have these relationships with people where like, first of all, I'm on, I'm on the board of advisors for Intel, um, me and a group of like 30 other companies around the country. Like there's no responsibility there so much as like we get together a few times a year and we give them, like we just tell them how it is. Um, Cause Intel can be a little disconnected sometimes from like, what um where the rubber meets the road and so that's our job is like be a voice it's almost like a congressman type of thing like okay mm -hmm. here's all the other companies around me we feel this way about this product you have um and we've been able to shape things like how they approach launches um um how they you know because there's a lot of things to not like about launches you know nobody right. likes paper launches right so of course every time we're there like stop doing paper launches uh, so like we give that kind of feedback with with success at times 
Um, but then the, the smaller the company gets, the more, I think, impact we can have. We love partnering with companies like Gigabyte. Um, they're not the biggest out there, but boy, they, they listen. They've brought products to market specifically because we asked for it. They uh, We learned this morning, there's a motherboard, a B550 motherboard. In fact, hey, let's just plug it because these guys are great. The Vision D uh, B550 from Gigabyte, fantastic board. The only beef we have with it is it doesn't have a Type-C USB port to enable the front port on a chassis. We give them the feedback, give them a month. They said, all right, new version's coming out in January. We're adding the port. Like, awesome. Um, so sometimes it's minutiae. Like, that's, you know, yeah. a port isn't going to change the world. But I love that we can shape those things. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, when you go onto the motherboard pages and you see, I, I use this story all the time, and you see that there's a BIOS update, and the reason for the BIOS update just is like performance fixes and improvements or something. <laughs> Almost always, it's a company like us that reported a problem, um, got it fixed, and then a BIOS update comes out for the world. So I like being a part of that. Like we're 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 the quality assurance for everyone else uh, when we find stuff like that. I'd also like to point out that that new Gigabyte board is going to be the Vision D P P for Puget Systems. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's port. Maybe it's Puget. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to think that it's let's just say it's Puget. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, um, Oh, Garrett reviews asks: um, Have you ever, or will you ever, collab with big tech YouTubers like Linus or uh, KBHD? Uh, How would that affect your company, if at all? We've done some stuff like that in the past. Uh, We've been working. uh, We've worked with Jerry Bird Barnacles for for Mm -hmm. a number of years. Uh, We did do a collab with uh, Linus Tech tips um outside the specific like circle of tech uh we've we've been uh worked with uh, dustin a great guy from smarter every day uh the slow-mo guys corridor digital it's like there's lots of, of collaborations going on i think that there's kind of different types of collaborations so like corridor digital is i mean they're just a they're an amazing group of people we love working with them frankly every time i have an interaction with them i learn something which is great um but it's a much different audience than like linus uh, Linus Tech Tips, right? Sure. And and by extension, a lot of times a, a channel like Linus will have a lot more eyeballs, a lot more subscribers, but not necessarily people that can benefit from the services and the and the value that we provide. So we you know we do a little of both, um, um, you know, because there's there's some utility to like just getting out there like in the millions of of eyeballs, uh, but there's also utility in like reaching the ten thousand eyeballs that are like really going to be able to to we're, we're going to be able to help. Both are valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of times, like we're not going out there saying like, we need to find more co- collaborations. A lot of times uh, people come to us and say, I think we can work together. I think you can help us and we can help you. And those are the times that are the most beneficial. That's why we love Corridor so much is like, we can help them. Our job is to make sure that their shop is up and running and they're, they're making their content and they don't have to worry about PCs doing that. Mm-hmm. And then their job is to, um, is to make sure that people know that we did that for them. And that's it. Like it's everyone wins and it, it's just a cool relationship. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I love it. And it, it ties back to the to the, like changing the world and knowing that we've had kind of a big effect on things. It's it's super cool. Uh, so there's a, a there's two questions that I'm going to kind of combine here that I think are are related and, and important to to the conversation we're having here. Uh, Amenagoni asks, uh, I'm getting into PC repair slash building. What are some beginner tips? And also Miniature Viking asks, what would you say are some of the most important lessons learned throughout the history of the company? Those are big questions. I, I don't know how to answer other than what, what we've kind of already talked about, which was um, start small, 
learn as you go. Don't be afraid to start. Um, but first and foremost, like make sure you keep your focus is the people that you're helping. Um, and as long as you stay in that mindset of like, what can I do that helps them? Not what can I do to earn money? What can I do to help them? And then have a business model that earns money along the way. Um, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. So, you know, miniature biking, it's number one, keep yourself immersed in your customers more than you immerse yourself in your own industry. And then uh, for what do you do to get started? Start small, start small and iterate. And heck, I'll, like, I'll you know, if you need person. to, if you need to, to build um, experience, like do it for free. Um, you don't, you don't have to like have a successful business model overnight. I like that. Yeah. I, I like, you know, just help, help one person, one computer, one, one success, I guess, at a time. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Uh, oh, Garrett Reviews also asks, are you looking at maybe starting a manufacturing line on any tech products? Kind of, yeah. Um, so not necessarily because we want to. <laughs> um, when we can't achieve what we need to do through the existing infrastructure. So like when I say like the success story for us is when we can partner with a gigabyte, give feedback, help them to make a product that services us really well and services everyone else really well. That's the biggest win because we aren't a manufacturer. I mean, we're not a PCB component manufacturing company. And if we were to do that, it would be detracting our time and energy and focus from, from our core mission of what we're doing. Um, there are times when we aren't successful in that we can't get what we need from the ex existing industry and we have to go out and make something ourselves. Stay tuned. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're working on that. Um, and I see a future where I think more of that will have to happen. Um, and it's a smaller leap to have to happen. If I'm having to carry three months of inventory and bring over a container of stuff um, just from a supply shortage uh, standpoint, then it's only one small leap to say, well, I'm buying a whole container of this stuff. Why don't we tweak it to put that port on ourselves or to give, you know, that different chassis configuration. So, yeah, we are working on that. It's just I don't want that to become who we are. We're not going to become a component manufacturer. Okay. Um, and so we have to make sure that that doesn't become like an overwhelming piece of our business. That has That's a necessary part in order to support the greater mission. Sure. No. I suppose, like maybe longer term, would it be would it be something to consider um, either partnering with, uh, you know, somebody like Gigabyte or, or MSI to do something very specific? Like, like I think uh, my mind is going to NZXT. They they build full systems. They have their own cases. They have their own motherboard. I think now, um, is that a path that we would consider uh, something I mean similar? Maybe, maybe it's the kind of thing where like we just have to be bigger before we have enough time and energy and resources to like we have to have like a department um, able able to to handle that. Um, and right now, like we're just not at the size where like the economies of scale work out to do that. Mm. Um, so a lot of times, it's just a better path for us to say we want to help you develop this product, but you can sell it to everyone because that way you know, that the chassis company can make, you know, it, it costs a lot of money to, to create tooling and vacuum injection molding and that kind of stuff. It does. Um, so they have to sell, I don't even want to know how many, but like so much volume of these cases. So we're just not there. Uh, we could be in the future. Uh, but right now our, our, our biggest strategy is to help the community as a whole. And then we benefit as, as a part of that. That would be super cool. Uh, 
Okay, so we're we are a little over our hour. I don't know how oh, yes. how tight you are for time. So I may keep this to just one or two more questions. Um, Sounds good. And this one I love because it's personally relatable. Uh, Hakon Broderlund asks, off topic, I see John started a <laughs> Corona beard. Any ambition to join the ranks of the magnificent beards alike, Mr. Houston? Well, I have a long ways to go to join the ranks of Mr. Houston. Uh, seven or eight more months. <laughs> is it? Okay. Oh, man. So <laughs> this started as a foolish wager that I went into with our <laughs> with our consulting team where I said, um, you know, this kind of flippant comment, I don't even know where it came. It probably came up in an all hands. It was probably Wilson. I, I believe it. Um, but he said, like, if we achieve double our target for the month or basically double our projection, will you grow a beard? And I'm like, ah, sure. You know, you're not going to do that. And so here we are. Uh, we achieved double. Um, not only that, but then they achieved it a second month in a row. So now I'm on the hook for another month. Of this, Although I'll say I'm actually not minding it that much. Um, yeah. So maybe it'll stay. Maybe it'll stay. But that's that's yeah. the secret thing is, uh, you know, it turns out I, I joke with some people is like, turns out that it's not commissions. It's not spiffs. It's not like sales promotions. It's making your boss grow a beard against his will. That's like a highly motivating thing to a sales team. So here we are. Oh, I love it. The, the peer pressure. <laughs> but it's awesome. It's awesome to have this like internal thing we're working towards and having fun with. And like, it, it's been fun. It's been a fun month. Yeah, it's you kind of you have to like thank goodness too because like in 2020 we need we need something like that. Yeah, it is kind of it is kind of funny that it ha- it did happen during kind of like this kind of darker time of things. So to have that little bit of fun and and goof, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, funny. so let's see here. One more question. One more question uh, from Garrett Reviews. Would it be beneficial to yourself as a company to team up with software companies to brand software as your own that maybe ships as part of your package, making you even more unique in the market? Possibly. I mean, if we're talking about blowware, no. <laughs> but if we're talking <laughs> about like useful tools, uh, and we've already... So our approach has been different that we haven't teamed up with a software provider. We've... Um, boy, I mean, Matt's been leading the way on this, learning mm-hmm. ourselves how to make it, and then we'll just make it ourselves, which I'm sure Matt can tell you like the same way that I built Puget Systems, it's a long road figuring it's a lot of work. And it's a lot of like looking at your first version of code and saying, oh, that was terrible uh, because you, you make a lot of progress over time. So that's how we're, we're doing it right now is we're doing it all ourselves. We're building it ourselves. And that's starting with benchmarks. Um, we've had talks in the past about having um, like um, little like service utilities on the computers to help identify bottlenecks and report back and almost like kind of like crowdsource the benchmarking uh, mm-hmm. to have this utility out there. Um, you know, there's all these like dreams and things we'd want to do, but there's a very limited amount of time. So I'm interested. I mean, we, we could definitely have conversations about that. If you know somebody like that, that hasn't been our plan up to this point. And that isn't something that we plan right now, but, uh, I love, I love being a smaller company where we can be nimble enough that like, if some really cool thing comes up, they're like, yeah, let's talk about it. Like I can't make any commitment. So let's talk about it. I like it. So, all right. So yeah, we are now just a little over our hour, about an hour 15. Um, is there any last little tidbits or, or message you'd like to put out to the audience? Oh, just, you know, this, like I said in the beginning, this is a very nostalgic uh, month for us. Uh, so just just the opportunity to thank everyone. It's, it's really cool to be a part of a community like this. And I've said before that, like, it's a really good feeling to know that there's actually a successful business model in caring, helping people, working hard. And then, like, there's no secret. Like, that's all it is. And here we are 20 years later making a living doing that. 
uh, successful at making a living doing that. So thank you to everyone for making that possible, for making that like whole world possible. Um, and uh, kind of like I ended the video or the 20th anniversary video, like we're just excited about what, what comes up next. Oh, uh, sure. There's a lot of cool tech stuff on the horizon. It's cool to see how we're like hitting our stride and helping people. So there's a lot to look forward to and we'll have fun doing it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, John, for, for taking the time out of your day to, to talk about the business and kind of give some advice and tips for things. And I'd also like to thank the audience as well for joining us today uh, for this very special broadcast of our workflow Wednesday. Um, we do this every Wednesday and Thursday um, at 1 p.m. Pacific. Wednesdays are generally external industry experts uh, to give some tips and tricks and advice and peek behind the curtain sort of a deal, um, which this one kind of counts because John gave a little bit of a insight into the business of things. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Fridays, we do our labs open office hour where we bring in a member of our labs team to kind of talk about a little bit more about the crossover of hardware and software and how those decisions kind of can affect your workflow. So uh, mark your calendars for that. That's Wednesdays and Fridays, 1 p.m. Pacific. And uh, yeah, so Sweet. thanks, you guys. Okay, thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.